So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs. Barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs So barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn to get Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs And barks from the bookshop, get Hello! Hi everybody! Hi everybody, um, so, uh Yeah, join us again in, uh, social isolation Am I in social isolation? No I'm in. Di- I don't know I'm not because, uh, Corinne's here we're all social distancing, aren't we? We're still not, social distancing. Yeah. You join us from lockdown. Lockdown. Dun, 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 lockdown. It's actually three weeks today, isn't it? Three that, weeks in, yeah. It's supposed yeah. to be a review, isn't there? But it's not going to happen, I don't think, because uh, 
Oh, Boris is recuperating in his country mm. estate, and the don't get political. Mm. I got told off. I got told off for making something political uh, on Facebook this week. Did Shh. you? I can't talk who, anymore about it. No, I can't talk. Who Shh. told? Who told you off? Someone that. Uh, was oh, it Corin or someone else? No, it was someone else. I um, oh. I, I don't think I can talk about it. <laughs> oh no! Oh, what that is it? How can you do that to me, man? I okay. think. Do you know what I think? We're all. Uh, I think we're all going a bit stir crazy, stuck in the houses, and having our one walks a day. And I think we're all looking for stuff all over the internet. I mean, to jump all over and. Uh, yeah, and it was one of those sort of situations. It's um, yeah. So I'm I'm just gonna let it. I'm gonna let it. I'm just brushing my shoulder there for people that can't. Yeah. I'll brush it off and not even respond to it, even though I brought it up in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly over it. Clearly Clearly over it. Water for ducks back, isn't it, mate? Yeah. Water for ducks back. So what have you been up to then, uh, Natalie, like sister behaviourist extraordinaire? Well, uh, I have been, um, oh, I did a really good jigsaw. Yeah? I love a jigsaw. Yeah, it was, it's a good one. I haven't jigsawed Um, for years. Oh, it really helped actually. It was nice because I've had I've had a bit of a rubbish few days, and so it got my mind into something else. And I've been sat in the lovely garden with the lovely sunshine, very grateful for my life. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I got into a new podcast as well. Oh, go on then. Um, it's 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 a bit. I don't know if people will like it, but <laughs> it's called it's called my favourite murder. <laughs> No wonder you and Corin get on so well. I well, yeah, because I really love like dark murder. crime thrillery <laughs> stuff. I yeah, love, I love murder. I love murder. No, yeah, I know. So you have to be careful. I'll probably turn some listeners off here, but um, I like, yeah, I, I I like that kind of genre of reading and watching telly and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I heard about this podcast, and it's basically two um, uh, American ladies, and they talk about their mm. favourite murder. Okay. So each there's there's hundreds and hundreds of episodes, and they just talk about these cases that have happened. Wow. And okay. How bonkers it all is that people do such horrible things to each other, um, and they have like survivor stories on there. Oh wow. And um, uh, their catchphrase is "Stay sexy, don't get murdered." <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so please tell me they sell t-shirts. They do. Do they? They do. Oh, yes. that's amazing! And, and there's a hoodie that I want, and it, on the it's got their little logo, and then on the back it says it's got like a 1950s sort of uh, Pepsi Cola type advert, and it says "Toxic masculinity ruins the party again." <laughs> <laughs> I want that hoodie. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant! Oh, I love podcasts. There's there's so many like I mean, obviously, just everyone needs to listen to this one before they even go anywhere. Uh, obviously, else. yeah. But um, there's so many things out there. I remember I I was quite early on to podcasts. Um, Back in the day, I remember 2004, I used to be a postman. Well, you know this, but... Um... I know this, because you have lots of stories that start. <laughs> I do. When I was a postman. I do. Corinne's got a little theme tune. like, when I was a postman. <laughs> I have a lot of stories. It was a very eventful time in my life. I wasn't a postman for very long, um, but I was in a band, and it was a job that I could I could do and still be in a band and gig every night and do all of those things. So, And I really enjoyed it. It was great. I used to get... It's back in the days when it was nice being a postie and I could get up really early in the morning, um, out, like once you were out, you were kind of your own boss. So you were, you know, the sun was coming up. If it was summer, yeah. it was beautiful. Anyway, I digress. I got in the podcast then because you were allowed to, I think they've stopped it now, but you're allowed to wear your old earphones. 
um, while you did your round, and it was uh, it was lovely. I, I did enjoy it. It was great. You, yeah, you've always been into podcasts. You're you're the one that got me into them. I was a bit, yeah. I was a bit behind the times, like little old granny. You talk about murder stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's taking a dark turn. Where's um, this going? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there was a, so there was a point in my life. This was partially your fault, Nat, where I was just surrounded by too much murder stuff because everything that we were watching was your recommendation of some, oh, some sort of drama, murdery drama, and they all started to intermingle into one. And I started yeah. dreaming about, uh, you know, real crime, murder type like documentaries and things like that. So I, ha- I had to step away from a little bit and back into my world of. Uh, uh, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that. I'm very sorry. Um, but about... I, yeah. Sorry, go on, carry on. No, sorry, I wasn't very interesting. Well, I was going to say um, about like I, I have. So you talk about jigsaws. I found the. I found some very sort of like I don't know if you call it mindful tasks, but I've been painting my fences this week, and um, I really enjoyed that. Normally, I'd have my ears in when I'm doing that, and I'd be listening to a podcast or whatever. But I decided not to. And just listen to the bird sound and the, and the things like that. It's been really yeah. nice. And just, I've been finding the joy in those sort of like tasks that normally I would see as being a chore. Because basically I've got, I can't leave me out. So I'm in the garden or, you know, so yeah. all of these things that need doing. It's been very nice, I must admit. I think, yeah, um, it's, it's a lovely time of year to be stuck in the house. Because mm. there's so much busyness going on with the wildlife. Like the amount of... Um, birds going out on little dates and and building their little homes together in our garden is amazing and I think I really struggle to like be in the moment and just sort of let my brain empty Mm. um which is why I like watching the dogs or watching the birds because I can focus my attention on them or doing a jigsaw puzzle and I'm not my brain isn't ticking over so well, you actually, you've done a brilliant segue there because I've been, I've also been watching what well, insects mostly I sound like, Carl, sound like Carl Pilkington now. <laughs> been watching uh, like all the all the uh, comings and goings and flutterings and buzzings and all of those things. And interesting, you bring that up because I was looking into today for obvious reasons. If we get to in a minute, like ethology, because you started, didn't you? Um, this is where you. Your sort of uh, love for um, animals kind of yeah was ignited. Yeah. Like, probably not ignited, but you know. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did zoology undergrad, mm. so there was a bit of behaviour in there, but it was mainly um, uh, you know bi- biology stuff. And um, yeah, my dad was always into bird watching as well, so I kind of caught, caught it off him really. Um, but yeah, I've kind of come come back round again. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, and it? just watching what's going on, and I will get well. Well, without without um, further ado, we should adieu, yeah. adieu, We should uh, say that today. I mean, I'm super excited and and a little bit nervous if I'm being honest. Because, I can't believe she said yes. Really, I yeah, mean, how... I know you wouldn't believe how tense it was. My finger hovering above the uh, the send button to send the email <laughs> out to like you're just a cold. Yeah. It was a cold email. I had um I had a bit of geeing up from our mate Nick Benja. Um, yeah. and I was like oh my god it comes to my finger and a bang and I hit it and instantly you're like oh my god what have I done and um, yes today we are talking to uh, one of my heroes absolute heroes Patricia McConnell um, yeah I'm just I'm flabbergasted um, we've got we've got some really really absolute fabulous guests even in the uh, in the pipelines as well um, and obviously we've spoken to some absolute fabulous ones but for me, this one, and especially the book we're talking about today, uh, really, 
really ignited my brain when I read it the first time. It really opened up a world to me. Um, yeah. And, and the book is The Other End of the Leash, Why We Do What We Do Around Dogs. Um, published 2002, I think. Back in the yeah, day, look, 2002. Look at look at my copy, Steve. Oh, hello. Look at you. You've got a signed copy. I know. <gasps> when did to you... Natalie, Natalie and Jack. Oh, how I when went, did you see? Uh, I went to see her in Bristol um, at the Paintworks. Probably, oh my goodness, eight. Eight years ago, maybe maybe longer ago. I think well, I'm having deja vu. Was that the one that Nick was at as well? I think I remember you guys. Yeah, we talked about, about it, didn't yeah. we? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. haven't met her, so. <laughs> um, but what a book! And I have yeah. that signed. How awesome is that? That's brilliant. I know. Maybe I can get I to know. virtually sign it today. Um, yeah. I, I. I I mean, we'll get into our sections um, very, very quickly here um, because I will just gush about it. Um, but for anyone who's interested in, in um, you know, why the stupid things that we do in front of dogs and how dogs may read what we do in front of them and what the whys and the whats and the whens and the hows and all of that of um, how being a primate doesn't quite mix sometimes with uh, communicating with dogs and why it could cause problems and how to get yeah. over those problems. Oh, my God, the book's amazing. Um, yeah. I am not on commission, but maybe by the <laughs> end of this podcast, I will be. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so shall we move good, on to uh, to our why, why I read it? Yeah, let's, let's go for it. Let's do it. Why read it? I'll tell you a fantastic reason to read it. Other than the, the, the same reason that we have every week that we do yeah. this, which is we think the book is awesome. But I tell you a great reason to read this. It has got one of the tensest, tensed, tensest moments. Tensest? tensest like, te- there's tension. One of the, t- one of the tensest. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'm going again. I'm going again. Hold, okay, okay. Hold, hold, hold. It's got one of the most tense. Question yes, mark. there we nailed it, nailed it. Ist beginnings of a book that I have ever read, <laughs> I, I, and uh, yeah, I saw it was so tense I had to make a new word up for it. That's a claim. That is. That Steve. is a claim. Um, Are you going to give anyone any further information on that? Or are you just going to leave it, leave well, it, it hanging? Oh, they got to find know. it. I really want everyone to read it, but um, okay, here I'm just going to read the first sentence and that should that should get people to read it okay here comes the first sentence i'll do it in my audiobook voice it was twilight so it was hard to tell exactly what the two lumps on the road were that enough that enough should <laughs> should entice anyone in to read it honestly the next the next couple of pages will have your heart in your mouth she's a rich she's a really good writer isn't she, she is a really good writer. I, d- I don't know how you would um kind of describe because she's just such a good storyteller mm. so she's like putting very scientific information across but by telling stories it's lovely and I always imagine her voice when I'm reading it like she's just sat there sort of talking to me I was listening um, to um, Hannah Brannigan um, on her podcast the other day and she was talking about Patricia McConnell on there and she was saying that her latest book I forget what it's called now her latest book you'd have to have a look and see what oh hang on a minute 
Dun, 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 dun. Um, for the love of a dog, possibly it's that one. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, is is more of a, a sort of personal um, a diary account of her life with her dogs, maybe. And and she said it really it's very emotional. And I can imagine that just from reading some of the some of the writing in the other end of the leash. Like it's like you say, the yeah. writing is amazing. It's really good. I read I read um, uh, for the love of a dog on the train, and mm. I was a blubbering wreck. Oh, okay. I had to put it away because I was like. <laughs> <laughs> It's definitely. It, was, it must be that yeah. one then. I haven't read that one, so yeah. I, I should. Uh, I should get. I've got one. it. I've got it. I'll lend it to you. I mean, why read it? As always, you just you got to. Um, but that window into the the sort of how it how it might be for a dog to perceive what we're doing and what signals we might be giving off inadvertently because of the way that we approach. Things, things as simple as greetings or trying to get another human to come towards us and things like that and how that, you know, all of that. It's just amazing. I mean, I can't sing its praises enough, so I should probably stop. It's No, I think it's well warranted and deserves it. I mean, I'd, one, the, the style of writing is just fantastic. So you don't really feel like you're, you're kind of um, learning, you know, yeah. you're just it's absorbing. Um and it's got some really good sections that is, are pretty, um, uh, you know, they cover a lot of the, the groundwork that I yeah. would want people to understand before they're kind of embarking on, on behavior training plans or, or living with a dog, really. So mm. there's bits about communication. There's bits about um, olfactory system, play. Um, the truth about dominance is a really interesting chapter. Yep. Um and uh, lots of stuff about personality and, and love and, you know, mm. just just all round empathetic and compassionate and ethologically sound uh, yes. advice about, about living with dogs. Um, her new book, I've just looked it up, is The Education of Wheel. Healing oh, okay. a Dog, Facing My Fears, Reclaiming My Life. It's about one of her um, border collies. Um, oh, is it Luke? Luke? Uh, no, Will. Oh, Will. So the ah, okay. Ah, Will I see, I in, see, I yeah. Um, so that was out in yeah 2018. Um, it sounds like that's really a kind of um, a very personal kind of memoir, really. So my goodness, I might have to brave myself up before I read that one. I'm already <laughs> I'm already an emotional wreck, so um, might save that one for another day. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, read it because it is. It's a really it's a really well written really good book it's a page turner as well i mean I, I smashed it i took this on holiday with me and read it twice on holiday and it actually inspired me to do like a little video series as well um that i put that i put up about um communication with dogs um so yeah it was it was just really I love that. isn't that like me. the sign of a really good book or yeah. a good bit of research or good training video where you you just want to share it with other people immediately yeah. and you know that's probably why we start this podcast really isn't it because yeah. and and that's why we kind of wax lyrical about all these books that we choose because they're books that we've read and just been like oh my god everyone has to read this so yeah. and this is definitely um definitely up there i used to know. get that when when i was in a band back in the day um uh i used to so sometimes you'd hear a song or a or a band or, or a sound or something and immediately you were like oh, i want i want to be that i want it i want yeah. me to sound like that or i want that guitar sound or that so i was heavily into sounds we'll get to that later on because it's a great 
bit about sounds and noises that we make to dogs. Um, but I had that, that, you're right, that exact feeling, that real sort of, I guess that's like, it's not... Um, it's not like sort of plagiarism, like you want to just steal it, but but you want to. You're so inspired, you want to like yeah. embody all of that stuff, and then and then somehow be a filter for it going out to everyone else. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's incredible, yeah. incredible book. Um, and yes, all go out and buy it. It's amazing. Um, Indeed. Shall we um, see what's been pricking our eyes? Yeah, let's go for it. No, oh, you pricked my eye. So what pricked my eye, um, loads of things. I could probably, you know, post a meme a day on Facebook for the rest of my life with quotes from this book. Um, but I've chosen a, a couple of bits um, that uh, I guess really resonate with kind of my ethos and the way that I, I live with my dogs and I work with my clients. So here we go. <laughs> Uh, good professional dog trainers are good partly because they understand dogs and how dogs learn, but they're also good because they're aware of their own behavior. They've learned to stop doing some of the things that are natural to our species, but are misinterpreted by dogs. It may not come naturally, but to some extent it's easy and you can learn much of it in this book. Becoming aware of the ways that we behave around our dogs does take a certain amount of energy, a kind of mindfulness about what we're do doing that we often lack. But once you start paying attention, once you focus your awareness on your own behavior instead of your dog's, you automatically become clearer and more sensible to your dog. Nice. Nice. It's good, isn't it? It's really good. And I think, do you know what? I think, um, I think that that's why um, our work is, is hard sometimes. Mm. And I don't mean hard as in, um, uh, you know, it's difficult for us to um, complete. I mean... I come home shattered sometimes if I've seen one too many clients like one after the other and it's because I'm concentrating on my body language and the speed yeah. of my movement and observing plus trying to listen to the person and interpret what they're saying and uh, notice little things with the dog and remember all the history and yeah. it's, there's just so much going on um that you know you can never fit into a, a single sort of um, session anyway um but i i think that's a really good i thought it was just a really nice explanation of of you know what's going through our minds when we're observing dogs uh, because it is an observation of course there's practical training elements to it but you can't start a practical training um uh program until you really get to the bottom of what's actually going on and you know being aware of how your body moves is is one of the tiny things that can really help yeah our dogs to kind of understand and um I, I always remember um uh you know sally um I was shadowing her once and um, she, the, the client said, oh my goodness, um, he hasn't even tried to bite you because um, we were working with this aggression case. Mm -hmm. And um, and Sally just simply said, well, I haven't given him a reason to. <laughs> I've always remembered that. I don't know if she'll remember that, but... Um, I'm sure she, she would. She's got a good way of just coming out with one-liners, hasn't she? And I think that's Cut the into same. the bone. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I thought that was a really nice snippet. So hopefully. I've got a, a little, we always say when, when Corinne and I come back from like a, a busy day of training, like our Saturdays, sometimes we're out in the field for over six hours doing class after class. 
And when we come back, we're so tired, but we have this, um, we always say to each other, we feel like a dog trainer today because like, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, you feel satisfied because, you know, most of the time it goes incredibly well and you really feel like you help people, but you also feel like, I call it bone tired, you know, like tired to the, to the very bones of you, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah. and it is because of that. It is that observation. It's trying to constantly look around, see what people are doing, try and catch. You're talking to someone, but in the corner of your eye, you're seeing someone struggling over there, and you're trying to like divide. Oh your... yeah, like especially yeah. in classes that you do. You know, I'm I'm usually just focusing on on one dog at a time. But mm. in a class, you've got to have eyes in the back of your head as well. Um, and yeah, you're right. It's a nice it's a nice kind of tired. Um, yeah. Uh, but sometimes I think, wow, I've only, you know, I've only seen two clients today. I've been bo- with both of them two hours, but it's like you're on it for that whole yeah. time. So yeah. I always, I, uh, what I say to Jay is I've, I've just haven't got any words left today. <laughs> <laughs> Used all my brain power. I haven't got any words left. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. And again, you know, another, another great insight there as well. I've got one. I've got a prick to my eye. Yeah. Go um, for it. What, it's what a section in eye? the book. Um, this is from the chapter Patient Dogs and Wise Humans. I like mm-hmm. that, Sam. And this is the sound of silence. I'm going to read this passage, um, so bear with me. <laughs> I won't add any Steve <laughs> words in. I'll try not to anyway. Another thing that we can all do to help our dogs behave like polite members of our family involves virtually no dog training whatsoever. Woohoo! We're all after that. That, that, mm-hmm. was, that was me adding that bit in, by the way. Okay. <laughs> if you're like most of us, you might have to teach yourself something, though. And as all trainers know, people are harder to train than dogs. It is truly simple, however, and it is this. Shut up. Okay. (laughs) She says, okay, maybe that's a little blunt. But the fact is that we tend to talk so much to our dogs that we not only confuse them, we overstimulate them and sometimes scare them. Um, Lest you think I'm being rude, please know that I include myself in this category of people who profit by being quieter around their dogs. We humans are relentlessly verbal primates. And there are times when I chatter like an idiot to my dogs. I'm going to stop it there. I could go on. I could read the whole thing. But I I definitely fall into this category. I've definitely been... (laughs) I can't help it. My personality is... I am that sort of... I would be... If I was an uncle, I would be the uncle that goes around the house, winds the kids up and then leaves after 10 minutes. And then (laughs) the parents are left with the mess that I've created. And I I 100% hold my hand up to doing that i'm constantly talking constantly talking to i've got little voices i use i've got certain little characters i've got a different voice for each toy that penny has got she's got she's got a snake and i say snakey i do that i was gonna say can we have some examples please so we've got snakey uh we've got crunchy crock crunchy crock uh and who's the other one we've got i'll read Who's behind your head at the moment? Is that Crunchy Croc? Oh, no, no, that's Fluff Buff. Fluff, Fluff Buff. Buff, yeah. Fluff Buff is up there because Fluff Buff's brilliant. He's an orange, basically, sort of, like, hairy toy. He's got four he's legs. Cute. He's got four legs and eyes. Not that anyone can see this. But on each end of his legs, he's got these hard plastic bits. And if Penny gets hold of him, being like a terrier, she just abuses herself by... Sm- like, she'll rag him... <laughs> Death shake. Did she punch herself in the face with yeah, his hand? Yeah, yeah, and she seems to really like it, but I can't watch it. Yeah, it's insane. So Fluffbuff comes out occasionally because she loves Fluffbuff. How does Fluffbuff? He's got a low, like oh, it's a Fluffbuff. He's quite low. <laughs> it's quite a low one. Um, so yeah, I, I could, uh, 
I could do is shutting up, and I know Corinne would agree with that. Uh, Please, can we have a video of all of Penny's toys and their voices on the uh, Barkstrom Bookshelf podcast page? Yes, of course you can. Just putting in a request there. I'm sure Penny will appreciate me. You're welcome, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So I I guess the point is, I mean, uh, interestingly enough, um, she comes into overstimulation and scaring them. I guess, you know, all joking aside, you know, um, I, you know, I have been guilty of overstimulating Penny on occasions and had to dial it back a little bit. Um, I don't think I've ever scared her, but I could see how that could be a problem, you know. Um, So, again, it's an interesting, again, looking at that idea of how verbal we are as a primate, you know, um, versus how a dog would communicate. Very little, you know, vocalisations or anything like that. It's, It's like, why... Why do we feel like? I mean, it make me. It makes me feel better naming Penny's toys and making stupid noises. <laughs> Does it make her feel better? I think it makes her excited, but I'm not sure if it if it's necessary would be what I would say. Yeah, I think we just all fall into our you know species specific mm. genetic predisposed behaviours, don't we? And although I do live with a border collie, so um, he does speak full English. Of course. Um, yeah. So I can I can say sentences to him and he does understand. Um, <laughs> so whereas the others just sort of look at me, <laughs> I could I could say to Jack, go and get that tug toy and um, bring it over and put it in that bucket and he'll do it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah I love that. he's just he's just got another level of of language understanding. Um, Is it Chaser? It is Chaser, isn't it? That border collie that learned a thousand odd yeah, different the, associations. The uh, it's fun. It's it's fascinating, really. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a little clip I showed. I can't remember where I saw it last. Now, um, oh, that's going to annoy me. It might have been about. It was in Clive's book. Yeah. The the dog where they then put a new one in a new toy that doesn't have a name and she just said the new name and then went off and brought it back I, I watched a clip about it it's, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Um, but those people are going to have to have been really um, kind of controlled about speaking to their dogs aren't they because if they're doing word discrimination to toys then you've got to be really careful about when you're saying those that's words that's a really interesting point actually I wonder if that was a, con- a really conscious thing in in Chase's household that they were like mm. don't talk between training yeah. sessions yeah. <laughs> it'll just sit in complete silence in case the dog learns something <laughs> so, so in case you're wondering just shut up yeah that's what, like that should that. be that should be my rule for everything if in doubt shut up we chose pretty similar things didn't we because we did, I chose we? about being aware of your body language and you choose being aware of talking so stop being so primatey people <laughs> which primate-y is a challenge a in itself I don't, I don't think primatey is a word if tensist is a word then primatey <laughs> is definitely a word we are adding words to the Oxford English Dictionary as we move along and that's how good this podcast is ladies and gentlemen <laughs> right let's move on yeah oh can I can I have one more oh, have one oh more? you got one more yeah one go more go go <clears throat> I just because um, a double pricking. Think, yeah, sorry. They were well. I have two eyes, and I they both got pricked. Um, so I'm just going to read it. I wouldn't want to see a dog forced to do a sit stay every time he greeted a human any more than I want to see children curtsy when adults enter the room. Mm. And that's from the same chapter you just read, the patient dogs and wise humans. And I think um, 
my favorite question to people that are maybe maybe going a little bit too far with their training um and it's it's bordering on control and obsession mm. is why yeah why why do they need to do that why sitting at curbs that's a classic isn't it yeah i i i, I have been trying to bit by bit piece by piece sort of like it get rid of things like sits position not position work as such i quite like teaching downs because i think it's quite a helpful thing and or mm. teaching teaching a default position i like that like if in doubt like mm. a default sort of thing but but i i definitely when i started with my, when way back in the day with my first dog it was it was an ego thing you know teaching like a sit stay on a it was all to yeah. do with me it wasn't to do with the dog and it took me quite a while to sort of flip that in my head but as i um as james o'brien saying isn't it what's the point in having a mind if you're not going to change it so like i I listened to enough people that i knew enough times to sort of like get over the cognitive dissidence of like this is what dog training should be sits waits Mm. stays to actually okay this is i needs to be more about welfare nothing much about my ego more about how the dog is it's a it's a real hard mind flip that one and i think it's really hard because i think people come with a list especially the puppy classes of what they want to learn and yeah sits downs weights you know all of those are on it yeah Yeah. it's the standard kind of puppy class repertoire that people think they need to do and yeah of course they have their place Mm. but you know does it matter if your dog can sit if you aren't able to uh, register when they're fearful or excited exactly. uh, you know there, there's more important things um on the kind of list but people don't know what they don't know and exactly. and maybe yeah. it, it's it's not on the radar because of all this kind of historical and cultural um syllabus that that goes with with yeah. puppy training um and, you know, I always say the more I've learned about behavior, the less kind of formal training I do. Obviously, my dogs are safe and happy. And that's my um, kind of main goal yeah. to have have them have happy lives. But it's like it's like what we were saying with Jane um, the other week. Um, you know, when you've got when you're have a, a goal in mind and you're doing goal orientated training it's very easy to take your eye off the ball of actually what's going on with your dog are mm. they happy are they engaging or am i putting too much pressure on etc etc mm. yeah i got quite intercent work recently and yeah they're they're, they're uh, the the person that i'm doing um it's oh god i'm gonna forget her name now which is terrible i'll pop it up on the links but the person who um, I've, I've done it, I'm doing an online course because I thought I'm stuck at home. Ooh, um, get is you. it Pam McKinnon or Pat McKinnon? I can't remember. But it's the talk, yeah. talk dogs. The talking dogs. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry in advance. Um, <laughs> but her thing is, and she will say it over and over again and really drive it in. It's like, you know, it's got to be fun you know always do it through always do it from the the goggles of are they having fun are they you know are are they getting frustrated is another one like not making the initial searches too big so you don't get frustrated about it and it's got and you've got to build the trust that when you say find it there's something out there to find that's like your first step because if that all goes wrong then your dog's not gonna you know not gonna want to do it and if they don't want to do it then it's not fun for them at all so yeah, yeah, it's um, it's really, really interesting. And also, something else on that point, from a human perspective of of changing your mind, I was reading something the other day about sort of great, I say great in inverted commas, political slogans like um, "Make America Great Again," "Take Back Control," um, 
the reason that the, get the, Brexit done. Yeah, get Brexit. You know, all of those things. The reason that whenever you hear someone from those parties saying it, uh, being interviewed, they'll say it over and over again, is because you know the more you drive it in the more you drive it home the the more you're going to believe it the more it'll eventually stick in that okay this is what i want to do i want to get brexit done i'm going to do it yeah. and you know and then eventually when you know when decisions need to be made or elections are being held that might be the way that you swing um so it makes sense doesn't it that that you would need to you know you'd need to go the other way if you were trying to convince someone that those things that they have these ideas about aren't necessarily what you want to do when you've got a dog or it, it goes to yeah. stands to reason yeah Arr. and i think scent works perfect for the other bits that we chose as well because you, mm. you you're standing you're giving the the find it cue and then you're standing back and observing aren't you you're shutting up yeah and you're standing still really yeah and let watching your dog do the work so that's why it's it's such a good activity for handlers that might be a bit too talky and a bit too movie because actually you're you're having to take the back seat and let the dog lead difficult not to get involved yeah because you get excited yeah because obviously we were trying to encourage the dog to use their nose but if you can see what they're looking for um it's so easy to go it's there You you know but they're in a different sort of uh, environmental space really aren't they because they're, look, they're looking with their nose not their eyes that's why we've kind of um I'm lucky because obviously i'm here with corin and uh we're doing the double blind sort of searches so sure so i don't know where they oh, are or corin well. doesn't know as well so that's even better that's which great. doesn't help today because we did a little one when we were out on our walk today but before finding the piece of food, we were using food today the food that yeah. um corin had placed Penny found at least three other things to eat on the way round, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you found it, good girl. And I'd look over at Connie, she'd be like, no, that wasn't no, it. I was like, okay. Then she found something else. I was like, this is quite confusing for me. <laughs> right, um, Carl, shall we uh, move on to our next section then, shall we? Yes, let's go for it. Good, good. Ten hit. Practical applications, ladies and gentlemen. So bringing back practical applications has been missing from the last few of our podcasts. Well, they've been really kind of practical step-by-step books, haven't they? So um, we're kind of back to uh, kind of standard read it and and pick out the bits. Well, the the reason is there's there's two great things that you can think about from a practical standpoint. Um, you don't even have to go far in, actually. Monkey see, monkey do is the, is the chapter, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, but yes, um, so I'm going to go in with these. So a practical yeah, application, a, a way, may, maybe not so much. I mean, the first one, definitely something you can do from the comfort of your own home, which is handy in lockdown. Um, but <laughs> um, uh, the other one, you might have to wait until we've got a few more people around us, but let's go with it. Um so, da, 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 da. so um, basic observations that anyone can learn to do. This is uh, so watch an animal and write down what it's doing. It sounds simple because all you need is you, an animal, a pencil and paper. No expensive machine with a long name is required. If no dog is handy, any moving animal will do, including your office mate, friend or spouse. <laughs> <laughs> Just describe what the bird outside, the dog inside or your colleague is doing. Be specific and clear. 
My dog is walking around is not specific and clear. My dog is walking slowly at about one stride per second, head held parallel to the shoulder girdle, ears relaxed and drooped 40 degrees to the side but not pinned back is specific and clear. By the time you get it down on paper, the animal will long since have changed what it's doing. This simple exercise quickly leads to frustration, but it eventually elicits admiration for the complexity of behaviour. Now, I was doing that the other day in my garden. Um, I wasn't writing it down, but I was looking at um, buzzy bugs, as I like to call them. All the buzzy yeah. bugs that are out and about, and there's lots of them out and about at the moment in uh, in lovely springy England. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, I, I mean, I wasn't, I, like I said, I wasn't writing it down, so I wasn't particularly getting frustrated, but I was intently wondering, like, what, you know, what are you doing? What are the, there was this one bug in particular. This is this is going to sound ridiculous because I don't know what I was watching, what animal it actually was. But it looked like it would get, fly in, it would stop, and it really looked like it was just intently looking like which way am I going to go? It's where to go. And when it seemed to decide, it shot off at like a rate of knots in a different direction. There were bugs that were coming down and landing on. We've got a is it called a euphorbia? Um, a plant in our garden yeah. looks like an alien. I love yeah. it. It's brilliant. Looks like sh- looks like Shrek. It does look like Shrek. You're right, yeah. and it's got these like the tiny little black, almost black or really dark blue sort of um, flowers that sort of pop out. They pop actually in the end of the summer. They pop. It's incredible, but they're really like shiny at the moment. They're attracting all of the insects. It's just a fascinating thing to do, and I think as an exercise in sort of even if you just do it once and you kind of sit down, like they said in the book, you sit down and you watch and you say, let's say with your dog what are they doing you know um you know can i actually describe what this behavior is what purpose do we think is mm-hmm. going you know is leading to this i i think it's a real cool thing to do really really cool do the buzzy bugs have voices <laughs> <laughs> they will by the end of lockdown now everything's gonna have a voice Nat. if i'm being honest Sorry, so, yeah. this, yeah, that was a really really nice lovely piece i, I tell you what i do silly, um yeah. me and corinne do so we go to crete um or we try to we, we're gonna give we're gonna stop flying as much as we can which is really sad because my mum and dad have got a place out in crete and i love to go there every year but you yeah. know planet and all that um and they have jet black uh we call them cretan bees i don't know if that's the sort of scientific term from they're real big bees but they're so like uh, gentle is the right word. But they just they fly around really like slowly, and they sort of land. <laughs> and we have this voice, and we just go, "Hello, I'm a Cretan bee." And I, every time we see one, we give them this little voice, and they're and adding that voice to them because they are quite like they're quite striking. Makes them the most non-threatening animal on the planet, you know, as they sort of bumble yeah. around. But they're brilliant. So we've done that with bumblebees in the garden, but we haven't added any voices to anything else yet. it is nice though it's nice being out there oh completely i i get it i was doing exactly the same yesterday i actually moved my jigsaw puzzle outside so i could sit on the patio in the sun and there's like loads of everything's flowering at the moment so there's just bumblebees everywhere honeybees there was hoverflies um bee flies um loads of stuff so yeah what are the ones that look like um uh so they got a a a big protrusion that's Um, a bee fly it's a bee fly this was the one that i would stop and sort of seem to sort of like really like look around making decisions where it wanted to go and seen a lot of um uh butterflies as well this year seems to be lots of butterflies around this year which is really nice um i particularly like the orange tipped yeah ones i like that 
they're really yeah. really cool it's just lovely it's lovely i mean i'm lucky enough to have a garden in fairness i mean i can't oh, imagine what lovely. lockdown would be like in yeah. a flat or something um but you know um we'll have to make the best of what we got i guess but um i haven't got the biggest garden in the world but uh, you know there are some hello bees in there so, um, <laughs> so i'm happy with that the same voice that of, as drax hello. a bit lower <laughs> <laughs> hello. Whenever he look, when he whenever he looks down at fish and mouse, I have to go hello. <laughs> <laughs> he looks down and like all his all his ears and all his beard falls, falls forward. forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that I had for practical application is again, so it's just something that um, Patricia used to do as a demonstration. I'll read mm-hmm. this one out because I think this is really cool as well. So <clears throat> here we go. Settle in, children. <clears throat> One of the demonstrations that I love to give in my seminars involves asking the audience to count out just one little second for me. While they chant 1-1000 in unison, I leap, twist, flap my arms, smile, frown, laugh, and heaven only knows what else. If you videotaped it and analysed it as an animal behaviourist does, you could record dozens of separate actions, all happening within the time span of one little second. A second is an eternity in an animal behaviourist to an animal behavior sorry because many actions can occur in less than a tenth of a second making good observations is tricky because too much can happen at once for your brain to notice at all much less get it down on paper because so many actions can occur simultaneously one of the first things that ethology students learn is to focus their attention on specific actions or areas and ignore the rest until a later observation period as you get more observant you can take in more details at the same time But when you first start, it pays to be selective. Honing your observational skills is directly related to having a better behaved dog. I thought that was really interesting. Because what you do around your dog should be related to what your dog is doing. Just because his movements are subtle doesn't mean they're not important. I thought it was fascinating. Wow. For so many reasons, but a lovely passage. I love the idea of her jumping up and... uh, and spinning <laughs> yeah. and shouting and smiling and all of those things but it, it goes to it speaks to a really fine point doesn't it about observation yeah and it makes the point really well doesn't it because you're not going to forget that that demo <laughs> no exactly and again that that is what you were saying earlier about how well written how good yeah. at writing um patricia clearly is because it just it, again it ignites your brain it's like oh, i get it i see how yeah. that applies to this and what you know what that means when i you know uh, and again, important that, you know, that I think when it comes to that first bit, it was saying it gets really frustrating to try and record animal behaviours because they change so often. I think then you get the the second half of it, which is you, you learn to observe just one specific thing and look for that specific thing. Yeah. And then yeah. in turn, you get better at observing. Yeah. It's a bit, it's how we would teach learning um, birdsong as well. So if you go out like on a dawn chorus and you try and learn everything all at once, it's not going to happen. Whereas actually, if you sit in your garden, you watch a robin and you learn the robin song, then you can start picking that out. And then you learn another one and another one. And before you know it, you can pick Amazing. out lots of different bird songs. Um, can I do a quick one? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So this is in the fun and play uh, chapter. Um, and again, just a really nice way of uh, reframing um, a really common uh, behaviour of, of not giving the ball back. So, um, but what if your dog comes all the way to you with the ball in her mouth but won't let you take it? Don't pry your dog's mouth open or get gruff and angry about it. 
Think of young children who greet you at the door with their new treasure, but simply can't bear to give it up, even just for a moment. You wouldn't get mad at a three-year-old for not wanting to give you the toy. You'd patiently teach him that it's okay to hand it over. Just like children, most dogs need to learn that they won't lose in the long run by giving up the ball, and you're the one who can teach them. There's a variety of ways you can teach a dog that it's fun to give up the ball. First and foremost, be sure that whenever she does give it up, you throw it back instantly. That's instantly, as in an instant. Not two seconds later after you've clutched it to your bosom and said, good dog, what a good dog. She doesn't want your praise or your petting for heaven's sake. Not then. Think your kid would be appreciative of a neck rub in the middle of a ball game with his or her buddies. She wants the ball. Give it to her. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's good. it's really really good so there there you go there's some things you can think about like practically applying there within Mm -hmm. the world of your dogs indeed and and just uh, practically applying to be more observational is i i I tell you i'm gonna throw in another little story there i was having a chat to corin the other day about penny and scooby and and scooby my my the, the dog that we lost recently and I, I kind of thought like having Penny because she vocalizes her frustration quite a bit has kind of taught me that perhaps I might have been guilty at missing when Scooby was frustrated because he didn't vocalize. He hardly ever vocalized anything. So mm. maybe some of the more subtle signals he was giving off, I potentially might have missed and all of those times where I was thinking oh isn't he being a good dog because he's the quiet one you know (laughs) possibly you know from a more emotional or state he was going through the same sort of things he just didn't vocalize it as much as Penny like Penny will make it clear when she's not happy with something and she's really Mm. good at doing it and and it's great from from my point of view that's great because I want to know and I and I want to help her and do all of those things but it, may, it makes me wonder you know even like I, I always consider that I'm I'm trying to learn all the time you know and I will never know any you know anywhere near any, everything about how dogs are or how yeah every, everyone's learning all the time yeah. and anyone anyone that says they're not uh, doesn't deserve to be listened to because they've obviously have ego issues thinking they know it all yeah um you know I know professors that you kind of look at like people like Patricia you know you look at their their qualifications you think oh my goodness wow what a brain um and they would stand there and say or it could be this it could be that I don't know and you know all the greatest minds are constantly reading so yeah yeah so we should all strive to do indeed without a doubt so with that then nice segue Natalie yeah Sister, sister behaviorista <laughs> haven't used your theme tune in a while have we <laughs> hang on a minute pause I know. hang on a minute pause for a second uh here's natalie light's theme tune one two I'll add that in. Okay. <laughs> right. the magic of editing. <laughs> so, um, shall we have a chat with Patricia? Yeah, go for it. She's just entered the waiting room of Zoom. I'm just going to read her bio out very quickly, if that's okay. okay. Um, it's quite a long bio, as it should well be. Um, so, here we go. Uh, Patricia McConnell, PhD, a zoologist and certified applied animal behaviourist has made a lifelong commitment to improving the relationships between people and animals. She is known worldwide as an expert on canine and feline 
and dog uh, canine, sorry, on canine and feline behavior and dog training. And for her engaging and knowledgeable dog training books, why are we all here? Uh, DVDs and seminars. Patricia's seen clients from serious uh, for serious behavioral problems since 1988 and taught the biology and philosophy of human stroke animal relationships for 25 years at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Her radio show, Calling All Pets, was heard in over 110 cities around the country, where Patricia dispensed advice about behaviour problems and animal behaviour research for over 14 years. A highly sought-after speaker on dog behaviour and training, McConnell has presented seminars all over the United States and in Canada, Germany, Australia, Sweden, Belgium, Scotland and New Zealand and England. Don't know why they missed us out there. Um <laughs> Uh, she is the author of the much of of the much acclaimed books, The Other End of the Leash, which is now published in thirteen languages. Uh, wow. For the love of a dog, understanding emotions in you and your best friend, and tales of two species. Her memoir. Uh, uh, oh, and her memoir, sorry, The Education of Will, which is the one that you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, that was it? the new, the newest one. Yeah, a mutual memoir of a woman and her dog, released in February two thousand seventeen. Uh, Dr. McConnell's books and booklets on dog training and dog and cat behavior problems continually receive rave reviews from professional trainers, veterinarians and dog and cat lovers from all over the world. Dr. McConnell was also the behavior columnist for the Bark magazine, the New Yorker of dog magazines and writes for many other publications, including the APDT's Chronicle of the Dog and Natural History. She has made numerous television appearances, including spots with Anderson Cooper on CNN, Martha Stewart and Wayne Brady. Patricia received her PhD in zoology in 1988 from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, researching dog behaviour and communication between professional trainers and working domestic animals. We'll talk about that later because her PhD is fascinating. Her dissertation received the prestigious Ali Award, I think I'm saying that right, from the Animal Behaviour Society in the same year. Patricia has two dogs, one confident cat and a very spoiled flock of sheep on a small farm in west in southwestern Wisconsin. Her border collie Maggie, along with Cavalier King Charles Spaniel Tootsie, keep her outside and active, and the memoirs of her beloved border collie Willie keep her humble. Patricia suffers from separation anxiety each time she leaves her dogs on her numerous speaking engagements around the country. Ah, I can have, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Really. Her, and her place looks amazing. She's got um got a really good blog actually. I yes. think it's just patriciamcconnell.com, isn't it, on her yeah. website? Yeah, it is. We'll we stick put, links. We link. Yeah, we'll stick yeah. links to all of this good stuff and anything else that crops up um okay. including my um animal voices. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. Right. right. Should I let should I let her in and we can have a chat? Let's do it. Let's do it. part of zoom is like looking at other people's houses i'm just loving it. so cool and what are those great plants in the oh well we this is my new extension so we saved up for about 10 years and so but we basically turned the kitchen into a greenhouse so we've we've got all our veggies going so the courgettes i love it Runner beans and coriander and um, chilies and all sorts of stuff. So, Wonderful. and it's the tomatoes are on the drying board. So, I love it. I love it. And okay, I'm checking out. 
Uh, yeah, mine's not mine's not so nice, unfortunately, Patricia. <laughs> I'm I'm in my the backdrop. I'm in my office come uh, come podcast studio at the moment. So I I try and get myself in the smallest, densest room with the with the most uh, with the least sound reverberation that I can get. But yeah, there's not much to look at here. I'm afraid there's all my uh, work clothes. If you fancy going through some of them. <laughs> I love it. Great wall color. <laughs> love the color. Yeah, we're thinking about changing. Is it, this was one of those sort of like colors that we decided when we were a bit, um, you know, uh, do lally, I think. And uh, yeah, it's quite, <laughs> it ends up being quite dark in here now. I've only got it's one, dark. this whole purple is one wall at the moment. But in my bedroom, the whole bedroom is purple, which we thought was going to be very royal and decadent when we painted it. Turns out yeah. it's just dark. Um, dark. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you live, you learn, don't you? <laughs> just paint. <laughs> it's just paint. I just like that. Paint. I've got enough time to repaint everything, that's for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm kidding. So, um... I've I've done the I've done the thing where we always I've started recording so we're all we're in we're in the midst and we'll just we'll just go go in gradually fade in, um so yeah so we we um well I wanted to first ask you um because I know that um you, that you and Nat came from a kind of ethology sort of background um yeah. and the idea of 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 how we communicate or how we learn to communicate with another species is endlessly fascinating for me and yeah. and obviously the other end of the leash which is the book that we're talking about on the main podcast tonight is one of my favorite books and it blew when i first read it absolutely blew my mind and and really uh, inspired and infused me to to want to to want to be a better dog trainer and i just wanted to ask you um firstly um yeah what 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 actually made you want to write the book in terms of like you know what what was the what was the force behind wanting to get all of that information out there yeah it was you know it was a it was a combination of of having just finished my research at you know and and my degree and sort of having all that academic background and having worked with primates so i worked with primates for a mm -hmm. while and so I had this whole primate behavior perspective. I took a lot of classes on it. I work with them and this whole, and I studied evolution. So I was real into like humans as primates and primates as interesting group of animals. And so at the same time, I'm starting to see a few clients and I'm starting to do dog training classes. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching this disconnect. And on the one hand, between communication between people and their dogs and watching how People are saying one thing and dogs are getting another. You know, they're, people are focused on one thing and dogs are focused on something else. But I'm also, I think the primary thing Steve is watching is watching people with all of this primate behavior in my brain and thinking, oh my God, we're just acting like chimpanzees. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, I actually, years and years ago, before I wrote the book, um, I, I gave a talk at one of the first APDT conferences. It was in Chicago. And I gave a talk uh, along this line about how understanding how we behave around dogs is based on understanding us as primates. And I started by showing scenes of primates having sex. <laughs> Chimpanzee, actually bonobos, right? Having sex. Oh, bonobos and, are good at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and about halfway through, I realized if I'm making the point 
that humans are primates, I'm actually showing pornography <laughs> and get arrested. Um, anyway, it did go over quite well. <laughs> so it, was, it was watching, I think the, the moment literally, and I won't belabor this too long because I could talk forever on this. I should apologize before I go on. But, <laughs> but I think the moment that did it was in class watching humans repeat themselves. Sit, 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 yeah. sit, sit. Right. And I literally immediately that in my mind, I had this image of chimpanzees going, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and sit, sit, sit. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> there we go. And, yeah. and so that's, that was sort of the beginning of it all. I th- think it's really interesting in, in terms of like, uh, miscommunication as well uh, there's i mean there's you speaks to this massively in the book but when you talk about how we communicate to one another in terms of how often we miscommunicate yeah. it, it beggars belief that we imagine that dogs should be able to just be able to interpret what we're saying you know half the time it must be so difficult it's it's astounding they haven't all turned around and bitten us you know all yeah. of them yeah. Um, yeah, it really is. I mean, and one of the things I learned partly from ethology and partly from being a dog trainer, as I'm sure you've experienced, we're, we think we're so good at communicating, don't we? I mean, we're so proud of, of our use of language, as we should be. Our use of language is amazing. And I, I took a lot of courses about the, you know, the philosophy of what makes us human and, mm. and how important speech and language is considered by so many to be so integral to who we are. I mean, there's some who argue that we can't actually, there is no thought without language, which I don't agree with, mm-hmm. but there's that argument out there. Mm-hmm. So it is true that we're brilliant at, at communicating with words. It's just, it's an amazing creation that I do think has had a profound effect on our brains and our intelligence. I mean, I don't know about you, but I find I often think I understand something until I go to write it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then when I write it down, it's like, oh, I understand this now on a whole other level. You know, I think so. So it's amazing. However, it doesn't mean we're overall great communicators because <laughs> language can get us in all kinds of trouble. And we're lousy observers, aren't we? I mean, we just don't pay a lot of attention to an awful lot of verbal signals. Often many of us do. Right. Um, but we're very bad at it in general in working with dogs. And I'm sure you've run into this is somebody will reinforce their dog by patting them on, you know, slapping them on the head, like good dog, good dog. And the dog is like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, goes it goes away. It's like, that was punishing. Yeah. I'll be sure not to come when she calls next time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So our ability to miscommunicate is equal to our ability to communicate. I think you're right. <laughs> There's a lovely. It's one set. I haven't written it down, so I'll be. Uh, I'll be probably smashing it to bits here. But I love. There's a part in the book actually that just sprung to mind there when you talk about. Have you? I think it's something along the lines of. Have you ever, when your partner has called you, just said, "Hey, wait, wait a minute," or "I'll be with you in a second or something like that. Yeah. I love that yeah. idea that you know that we don't give our dogs that time or those that you know that that space to be able to to respond when we call them. Oh, it's and I you know I fight it myself. I mean, we have such high expectations of dogs and you know I I expect my dogs to be 
very well trained and I, I mean, I need them. I need them to really listen to me to stay out of wrecks or to not run into a road. I mean, it can be life and death sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I can fall into that same time sometimes. I'll say, you know, Maggie, that'll do. And she's just deep into sniffing something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I have to like take a breath. It's like, let her finish her sniff and then yeah. she'll come, you know? It is, yeah, it's, um, and you know, we often don't give that same, have that same patience to the people we live with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And so it's, I think it's so important for us to all remember that if we're concentrating on something, we're just, we're not good at multitasking. And, you know, it's, it's, it's important to be able to say, to say just a minute, yeah, yeah. I hear you, I'll be with you, rather than just ignoring your partner, what some people do, right? <laughs> Happens, you know, or getting irritated, right? Yeah. It's like I'm busy. Yeah. So patience is um not our our best skill set as a species. Yeah. I, I think that um people kind of maybe fall into the trap of um thinking that being patient and giving a moment is a training fail as well because you know a recall should be on a sixpence and um don't get me wrong there are times when it's a safety issue or you know whatever you do need that level of attention um but if it's just to trot on on your lead walk then you've got to weigh it up a bit haven't you and and give them give them the second to sniff the lamppost before they move on yeah absolutely i one of the things that i um so i was uh always into sort of like music production and sound and one of the things that really struck me about your book was your section i think you did was it your phd that you did on uh Yes. Oh, yeah. And so the the different sounds that people use in different areas of the globe as well are quite mm-hmm. similar in order to teach um, or, or to communicate speed up or slow down or calm down. I thought that was really, really interesting because it seems to be something that's inherent in us in a way. And so that might be one of the communication skills we have with another species that for some reason, I don't know if you have any ideas on that, seems to be inherent across the globe. Well, I love that you were interested in that. <laughs> obviously, I spent years on it, and you know, I got, I got, I got into it for a couple of reasons. One is I wanted to study something that related to interactions between humans and other animals, mm-hmm. and there were dogs right there, right? And my advisor got me into um, studying sheepdog handlers, so you know that created a whole other world for me. But but that whole question of are we using are we using, are there universal sound structures, acoustic structures that we use to get animals to speed up or to slow down? Are we doing it because we learned it works better? Are we doing it because we inherently do it? You know, mm. as you're saying, are we doing it as a kind of a, um, oh, I forget the word, sort of onomatopoetic, yeah, yeah. you know, version mm. of like, you know. Like, quick, quick, quick. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. Mm. You know, I want you to hurry up so I'll like Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting, yeah. And you know, and I you know, I my research didn't really parse that out. What it parsed out was that dogs before being trained appear to inherently respond by by increasing activity level to short rapidly repeated notes mm-hmm. and to um well that was the most robust finding. Yep. 
Um, so, you know, we had puppies um, uh, sit um, or come, sort of sit and stay for a few seconds or come to either sounds like yep. or like a long, slow, sort of descending, like a whoa kind of a sound. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's part of the challenge and part of the difference between a professional trainer and, and a dog lover is that, is that dog lovers, before we think about it and learn, and I used to do this all the time, and I still do some, is um, we use sounds that reflect our internal states. So that's the inherent part of us. So if we're really like, the example I gave in the other end of the leash um, was like somebody on a horse going, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Rather yeah. than, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know? Um, so yeah, so that's that's part, I mean, really brilliant. For example, on sheepdogs, working sheepdogs under a trial condition, I am, I mean, I am so... I am barely in the good intermediate category, basically. <laughs> I am so not what I call a big hat, right? I am just not. <laughs> I'm hat. learning, I'm learning. And so I really struggle with my voice not reflecting my emotional state because there's incredible time pressure. You have to make a decision in you know less than a tenth of a second sometimes. And so there are times when I should be saying, lie down. And it's like, lie down! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> I had a very short uh, agility career. It was probably lasted about two months uh, because I just couldn't, it just didn't work. I couldn't say left and right or anything. I just ended up running around screaming this way. Gave <laughs> <laughs> up in the end. <laughs> I found it, I mean, the, the, the whole noise thing endlessly fascinates me. But of course, um, we're not, when it comes to to dogs you know we're as, as humans as primates we're first of all we're so visual and we communicate with noises and things like that but when it comes to dogs they're looking at our body language so much and and yes and your your book goes into that massively but one of the things that really um uh stuck out to me was the experiment you did the audio ver uh sorry a uh, verbal versus sort of body language um experiment with the puppies um that was yeah. really really interesting yeah, that that was based on watching dogs in classes, in in puppy training classes. Yeah. And in family dog training classes. And and it just, you know, all that training as an ethologist to be super observant, it was like, wait a minute, people are talking and the dogs are watching. And mm. I so I wanted to con to, to get some confirmation about which is more salient to a dog, you know, which is more relevant because when you're getting both a sound and an action and a movement, you know, like I'm moving my head and I'm talking. So there are two channels of information coming in. One of them has to override each other. It's just your brain can't take them both in equally. And so, yeah, that was really fun. We taught puppies to sit, um, to um, uh, motion and to a, um, to a sound yeah and yeah uh, the 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 motion was profoundly more effective i mean we then we, we we did it simultaneously then we separated it out yeah so you know they are watching us it's not like they can't listen it's not like they can't of course they can learn to 
respond to a gazillion different cues. Of course they can. But yeah, but but their primary modality first is vision, as is ours, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really, if you think about it, you know, I give the example and other in the leash of um, somebody saying, um, I love your dress, except they say, yeah. I, I love your dress. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> what are you getting out of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd just write down there. I just thought I thought it'd be a good T-shirt opportunity there that you could have a T-shirt saying, uh, especially if you're running a puppy class, you're all talking, but your dog is watching. Just there. No, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. I'll get one. I'll buy one. Oh, there you go. I've sold one, Nat. I'm in business. Excellent. I'll, I'll have one as well. Go on then. <laughs> I know um, you had some questions, didn't you, Nat, about... I did. Um, I basically... I would love to kind of have some of your wisdom really from your career and um, you know I know a lot of people listen to the podcast and they might be starting out in their career and be interested in animal behavior um, and just whether you had any kind of advice for people starting out um, and I guess it's kind of a, a two-pronged question, really, because there's the kind of the theory and the knowledge and the experience and what you end up doing with your clients. But then there's actually working and existing and keeping your sanity in a world <laughs> where there can be okay. quite a lot of, of, of conflict. Um, and, you know, how, how you kind of balance that and if you've had any experience over your career about you know backlash or um sure. unwanted yeah. attention and that kind of thing and and yeah. how you deal with it it's i love that question thank you for asking because it's a hard job and i think a lot of people aren't prepared for that mm. i don't know i'd be I'll, after i'm going to ask you what you think um but well let me just ask you now it, have you found that to be true that it it it's a hard job right yeah, we were just talking about it, actually. Mm. And we were saying, because I, I read out a passage from the book about um, you describing that it it's, uh, takes energy to be empathetic and to be listening to your the human side of things, but also being aware of what's going on with your body language, your you know, what you're saying. And, and all of that takes up a lot of brain space. And yeah. there's no wonder why we come home after a few clients and we're absolutely shattered mm. <laughs> because you, you're, you've got to be in the moment, especially when you're working with a dog that might bite your arm at any moment, you, you can't right. mess up, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, and you're working with a, say, you know, often you're working with a couple or a family. Mm -hmm. And so now there are four individuals you're watching all yeah. at the same time and communicating with and sort of monitoring and tracking. And so, so that part, just the information overload, that part is hard. Um, and so I think people need to be aware of how much they can actually do you know, and how much sort of time you need to sort of regroup and think. And I know consults, if you do one-on-one -on -one consults, um, uh, you know, you need time to write up your notes. Mm. It's just, it, there's just a lot more time than you might think there is. And so you need to charge appropriately. I mean, the, one of the biggest mistakes I made is I just charge way too little. And I actually, I was seeing a, I finally went to see a, um, 
a consultant to the university in the business school because I didn't know anything about business. And I was in business in spite of myself, literally. And, <laughs> and, and she said, okay, let me get this straight. You're booked three to four months in advance. You don't have enough time to see all the clients who want to see you. And you're not making enough money. Gosh, <laughs> what should you do? <laughs> <laughs> gosh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I can't raise my rates. Oh, I can't do that. It's like, well, okay. Just know that you're subsidizing all those people out there, you yeah. know, and paying yeah. their kids to go to summer camp and not being able to take your dog to the vet as often as you want to. It's like, got it. Got it. Difficult oh. though, isn't it? It's so difficult because yeah. it's, because yeah. when you love what you do, I've, I've had a, f- a couple of different jobs in my life. I was, I was um well i've done loads loads of different things um i've been a dog trainer for around 15 odd years now give or take and it's the only job i've had where i i'm so passionately in love with what i do it feels like a a strange juxtaposition to get paid for it and i know that's weird and i remember um i don't know if you know steve mann the 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 creator of the institute of modern dog training but i went on a seminar of his once and he he always said if you're charging less to sort out someone's dog than you would if you were a plumber to sort out their sink then you're mad and then i looked up what plumbers (laughs) charge and i was like yeah charge that amount of money for like you know this is is insane i'm sure plumbers not in there loving it i mean there might be there might be plumbers that absolutely love it i'm sure there are but there's that strange juxtaposition that it's difficult it is it's and it's difficult i think from two perspectives one is from ours is that we you know, we all have this passion for it. We sort of, we feel a calling and, you know, it's partly to help people and it's partly to help dogs. And, you know, so, so there's this incredible pull to do everything we can mm. and help everybody we can. Yeah. Um, and on the other side, there's a push, there's a pushback because the fact of the matter is, is dog training is not as well respected as it should be. And there's, there's a belief, although things are better now, I'm happy to say, but, you know, there's that belief that um, some people have of, if I was a better person, I wouldn't need a dog trainer. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah that's a really, right? that's a really you know, good point. Yeah, so they feel like, oh, I shouldn't have to pay for this. What's wrong with me? Right? My parents didn't have a dog trainer. And it's, you know, mm. it's it's like having, like, I just heard about a job that's a plant stylist. So... <laughs> I'm laughing, right? And so now I feel embarrassed because somewhere out there's a, somebody's a plant stylist who feels really important about their job. But like they go to the nursery for you and buy the plants that they, you yeah, know, yeah, they think yeah. would be best in your room. And, you know, and I, you know, I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds but, like a good but, career but, to but, me. <laughs> and I think some people feel the same way for whatever that's worth about hiring a dog trainer. And And I do think it's better now. You know, I think especially given hopefully somewhat of an increase in the understanding that that understanding the science of of behavior and and that there is a science behind influencing mm. behavior and that it's not rocket science you know although really rocket science is just math i'm sorry i mean <laughs> <laughs> i'm done with that one because i love math and it's like it's just math i mean it's the neuroscientists that i like kiss the hem of their pants you yeah, know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? but, um, anyway so so there's all that aspect of it but just if there i might say one more thing about about what's hard when you're starting 
one of the most common mistakes, and I've seen trainers do it over and over and over again. You know, I trained a lot of trainers over a lot of years. And we know, we want to tell people everything we know in the first lesson, Mm -hmm. right? And it's so hard when you're working, you've got eight people in a puppy class and eight puppies, and maybe you've got 12 people in a puppy class and Mm -hmm. eight puppies, and you want to tell them everything. And so what, what I, and you can't, because they can't possibly absorb it. You just have to know what you need to start with. And that's part of being a great trainer is knowing what's critical right now. What is the one thing you need to say to that one person right now, you know? And so being, learning that I think is a huge skill and it takes working with a good mentor and a good program and a tremendous amount of patience and self-discipline. And I would, if I would sum all that up in just a few words that I'm now going to take myself for a moment, it's shut up. (laughs) We talked about that a little bit earlier on. You'd be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that idea. And, and how, I mean, how for, for maybe more established trainers and things like that, obviously we have different schools of dog training, um, ways that people should train dogs and and different approaches how how would you deal with um or have you ever had to deal with sort of backlash from different schools of thoughts coming at you or how would you advise that you deal with that sort of stuff yeah oh that is a great question and have i dealt with it all yeah (laughs) oh yeah It's really sad, isn't it? I just think, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit naive, but I'm quite a sensitive person and I do what I do because I love it. And um, it it just, it it really knocks me sideways when, you know, uh, things are maybe taken out of context because of the reasons you say, because as a behaviorist, you've got so much going on, but you have to filter it down and go, this is what you need to know at the moment. Right. And if you end up, always saying all the disclaimers about well if this happened then i do this then people pick up on the wrong thing maybe and Mm. and go off on a tangent about oh she said you should do this around this like no that was for that one specific dog in that one specific moment yeah yeah it's um it's part of why it's a hard job i think Mm. because people are so emotional about their dogs and about their beliefs about Mm. what's the best way to train right Mm. we get so invested in it and um So what I would tell to new trainers is, um, well, I guess, I guess the first thing I would say is you're going to make mistakes. You're going to say something you wish you hadn't said. You're going to do something that in, in, in hindsight, you're like, ah, I just, I just showed a picture on, on a email to thousands of people promoting my books that had a dog with a great big honking choke collar. Prong collar, not prong collar. I mean, it was (laughs) massive. And I just about died because I didn't notice it. How did I not? Oh, no. I know. How did I not notice it? Well, I can tell you why I didn't notice it because I can tell you that this, that, and this was going on. And I, you know, there was this crisis and that crisis. And I was barely able to function that morning. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. You're, so one is, I, I think the biggest thing I would say, and this feels so important to me, is, is 
we need to be as kind to each other as we want to be to dogs, yeah. you know? And when people are not kind to you, I mean, I go to all of that brilliant work by Brene Brown. I don't know if you know yeah, her yeah, work. Yeah, I know yeah. Brene Brown. Our, yeah. our business mentor put, put us in touch with Brene Brown. Yeah. She she really looks after us and she pointed us in the direction. So it's great. I love it. That's yeah. that's wonderful. And so, so, you know, one of the things that she's helped me with tremendously, especially when I wrote The Education of Will, which is very personal, you know, it's about trauma and my um, history of trauma and PTSD and, and, and trying to raise a dog who acted as if he had PTSD or from a, as an eight week old puppy. Um, she helped me tremendously. And part of it was when you're, when you're vulnerable is you, you, you need to be sure you are surrounded by the people you know are gonna have your back. And it might be two people, it might be three, not going to be a big number mm. it's a very small number of people who who know you who love you who are honest with you who are absolutely happy to say yeah you really messed up that was a bad one but you know <laughs> they still love you and support you right so you mm. got to have every dog trainer who's out there even just doing classes you got to have a village <laughs> yeah got to have yeah. your village and I, I think one of the things that saddened me in dog training is how uh, snarky it can get mm. between um, people of different schools of thought. You know, um, I mean, I think we've all heard trainers who use a lot of punishment using it on other people. And we've heard trainers who believe in positive reinforcement being very punishing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Ironically, right to other people. And so, so really, you know, besides shut up and talk less, <laughs> be kind, you know, be, be as kind and patient, you know, that wonderful saying, we're all doing the best we can with the tools we have right now. Yeah. You know? And just, I, that's my mantra at the moment. I actually said that to my husband this morning. Yeah. <laughs> It's, and, and that's important as well with the with what we're all going through at the moment in terms of this. Yeah, even even more so, really. Yeah, this lockdown. And then thank thank heavens that we've got this technology so that we can talk to at the very least talk to people that we know and love. You know, we might not be able to be in the same room as them, but we can. You know, we can at least reach out. And it does. It's not the same, but it's so much better yeah. than not, isn't it? And besides, as we were talking before we um started recording you get to see everybody's houses and yeah. you know look at jimmy fallon's kids on you know yeah. <laughs> you know yeah so gotta hang on to what we can hang on to right exactly yeah. exactly and that's, that's some really really good advice as well and it's it's almost comforting that um you know even you have gone through times in your career where you know you've had some bad experiences about with other people around and all sorts because I think it can feel quite lonely sometimes and um you know you feel a bit personally attacked about things so um yeah. I, I think it's 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 good to be realistic about that that might happen um especially for new people coming in and and yeah. you know this the skill set that we need because i i don't know about you but i feel that um there are quite a lot of people that get into working with animals um because they 
animal non-human animals are kind of their escapism away from human society but yeah. you end up working you've got to be good with people yeah. because that, that's your gateway to to making a difference for the dog oh so true um so true um we are not dog trainers really we are mostly dog training instructors right yeah um right as somebody just said recently and very appropriately yeah i used to have students when i was teaching at the university of wisconsin would come in to me and say oh dr mcconnell i just i'm so interested in what you do um i, I wanted i want to be you i want to do what you do you know i I, I love animals. I love them so much. And then they sort of wind themselves up, sort of spiraling up into, I love animals. I love them so much. I love them more than people. I don't even, I don't even really like people. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh, because that's who you're going to be dealing with. You know, I, um, yeah. I mean, I actually, I, one of the things that, that to say to young trainers is that I used to say constantly when I saw clients and I did one-on-one -on -one and consults is um, I could always tell when I was getting really tired because I would start training the dog <laughs> instead of the person. Right? That's a good you know yeah, I mean? yeah, I know what you mean. It's so much harder to teach the person to train the dog than it is to train the dog. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, and I could always tell when I was tired because all of a sudden I'm like working with Moxie and I'm like, sit, good girl. <laughs> yes, sit, stay. Look, see how good she's doing, right? <laughs> Not helping the owners, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well, I think we'll, we'll start to wrap things up if that's okay yeah. with you, Patricia. I think it's a really yeah. nice note to, to end on because it's, perfect it's note to a end really on. nice bit of positivity and you know, things for us to all keep our our mental health positive and take mm. time for ourselves and be aware of, of all these things and, and, you know, talk to each other, which well, is great. One quick thing. Um, you sent me a beautiful yeah. picture of Maggie and Skip in the, yes. in the snow. Is it snowing there yeah. at the moment? I was confused. No, oh, it was, was supposed to snow last night. I'm so happy it didn't. I have... <laughs> I actually, this is how bad it is. Um, I actually counted that I have 247 daffodils blooming at the moment. Oh, wow. Wow. And approximately 200 plus about two bloom, but it's going to be 20 Fahrenheit tonight. Uh -huh. I don't know what that is, Celsius. Yep. Brutally cold, way yep. under freezing. Yeah. So I'm not sure what will happen, but no snow yeah. now. Nice green grass. My sheep are ripping green grass right up the uh, hill. Right now. What about I've, you? Well, I, I, you saying about your um, your big crop of uh, dandelions, uh, not dandelions, daffodils there. Um, I've got one tulip in my garden that I got really excited about earlier on today. Yes. It is, I say one tulip though, it is the most incredible tulip. It's like orange and it's got these thrilly, like thrilly bits wow. that come off the top of the petal. It's quite a tulip, so it might only be one, but... It's, yeah, it's, one. it's been really warm here. You can just about yeah. see... It's been sunny like that for the whole weekend. It's been up to 20 degrees. Um, I'm a little bit sunburnt because I love <laughs> I love the sun, so I've just been out in it. Uh, but, you know, it's been... Pictures. Yeah. There's lots of lovely wildlife. So that apple tree out there, there's yeah. a pair of um, blue tits and great tits are, oh, are just flitting around, picking things off for their nests it's lovely to just sit and watch them in the sun i tell you wow. what i've noticed has come we've got a huge great oak tree in our back garden that overlooks our garden it's beautiful absolutely stunning it's just started to the leaves are just out now and oh, the most brilliant. stunning green but nighttime Ooh. i've got um 
our bat we have loads of bats around here and the bats have come back oh wonderful and we've got the we, we invested in these things called zero gravity chairs i don't know if you've ever heard of these but they're sort of chairs that you can sort of lean back to the that's point what, point where you think that. you're going to fall off of them yeah yeah and oh. and you can lean back so as dusk comes in you can lean back on your zero gravity chairs Get yourself a drink and have a bit of popcorn or something like that, and then just sit up and watch the bats plucking all the insects out of the sky. It's absolutely I incredible. Be there. Yeah, I want to be there. Well, I'm, I think I, I poetically paint it probably better than <laughs> than it actually is, but the bats are there. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for having oh, me. It's our it pleasure. Thank you. Really happy to be here. Thank you it's, so it's, much. Yeah, it's been brilliant, and I'm sure all the listeners are gonna love it. So we'll um. We'll put up some details and we'll... we'll Is there anything you, you want to plug? Any any sort of like any... Uh... Um, if you'd mention... Well, actually, yeah, two things. Go one, on. if you'd mention my website, that'd be lovely. Go for yep. it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that would be lovely. But also, I'm going to do another podcast with um, some amazing people. Kathy Sadow. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, some wonderful people. Um, we did one two weeks ago. We're going to do another one Saturday. So okay. I'll send you. I'll send you a link to that. Yep, that'd be um, brilliant. That I'll stick them in the show notes. Yeah. Friday, if you want to mention that. What's the podcast called, Patricia? Uh, come sit, stay. Okay, and I, <laughs> I love that. I can't. Re- it's something about like coping with um, uh, sort of challenging times. Okay, it's not really. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, Have I'll you? Say- have you all come together because of what's going on with the yes. pandemic then? Yeah, oh, brilliant. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, we don't talk about dog training. We're talking about as trainers, how we're coping, you know, and best ways to do that. And Lynn Unger wrote this brilliant poem titled Pandemic that went viral. What oh, an ironic wow. word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so there's a poet, there's a meditation expert. It's, yeah, it's really cool. So I'll send you more stuff. Send yep. you details. Sounds brilliant. great. I want to give that a okay. listen. Awesome. Thank you all so much. And I'll put this out as soon as I get the info from you. I'll put it out. Brilliant. Should be out oh, Friday. Cool. I think we're aiming Fab. for Friday this week, but um, I'll let you okay. know as soon as we got it. Thank okay. you so care, much. Too. Lovely. Have a lovely week. You too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. She was amazing, weren't she? I can't. I like. I literally can't believe how um, just giving these people are giving. Is that the I right know. word? I don't know if it's coming, but with their time and their wisdom and just you know, just they're so. It's, it just blows me away, but it just bowls but, me over. It's it's so different to like the kind of um, normal life. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like the the ego mentality, you know. Yeah. These are all these people we've chatted to just genuinely want to share and talk about what they what they love, which is brilliant. And um, how humble is Dr. Patricia McConnell? I mean, yeah. My goodness, wow. I'm I want a... I want to go and live with her. Please. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love my husband and my dogs at my house here, but you know, <laughs> goals. Gotta have goals, mate. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, as ever, sitting here humbled in disbelief, uh, gobsmacked. I'm gonna go with that, gobsmacked. Don't use that gobsmacked. enough, don't use that enough in life. <laughs> it's a very good word. Well, shall we uh, uh, move forward to our Greg Wallace moment, shall we? I think we should, let yeah, me, I've got me, a good one. Let me cue up the jingle, here he comes. Whoa, it's the Greg Wallace moment. <laughs> 
Ooh. There he is. There's old Greggy. Greg Wallace. The Greg Meister. The, I heard, um, I, you know, I was in, I said I was in my garden the other day and um, there, from a few gardens away, like over the fences, I heard an, an amazing Greg Wallace like, <gasps> wow! I don't know what it was they were saying, but I literally, me and Karen looked at each other we were like, that's a Greg Wallace moment right now. Oh my God. <laughs> I did, I did one today. Did you? Yeah, I can't remember what it was. I can't remember what it was about now. What? You what? Just what? reminded me. You had a snake what? in your garden. Yeah, I did. Ah. That, that was a great. That was a Greg Wallace moment. I know. I was. Oh, I was so jealous. It was amazing. We just stood there chatting, and then fish wandered off, and I just looked. So I keep an eye on him because he's a little bugger and he just disappears <laughs> and um usually i'm like panicking going oh, where did fish go and he stood on my foot but um anyway so i just looked over and um he was he was wandering towards a grass snake wow it was slithering across my grass and well it's mud because you know drax has ruined it all. and then and then you can lumping it. And then he went into the pond and was swimming around the pond. It was amazing. I know. And Jay, wow! Jay sent a little video. And first of all, I was like, I can't see it. I can't see it. But then as soon as he pointed out, I was like, oh, my God, there he is. Yeah. And then he had it was really well. cool. We haven't seen him again since. I used to go out when I was a kid. Um, we used to go and uh, we used to go to a place called Didcot, which is out near Oxford somewhere. And um, she was called my Auntie Joan. She wasn't my auntie. I think she's my dad's auntie. But you know when you call people aunties. Oh, yeah, yeah. And all that sort yeah. of thing. And her son, um, bless him, Colin, used to take us out. Like I used to insist to go snake hunting anytime <laughs> we were there. Because for some reason, I had it in my head that all the snakes lived in Didcot, not where I was yeah. from. Um, and bless him, we used to go out. I never saw hide nor hair of a snake, not even a slow worm the whole time Aww. that we used to go out. But this dude used to take me out. We used to be lifting up rocks and looking in grass and going to little streams and rivers yeah. looking for snakes. And it was only when I, I've, I, I've only seen one wild snake in uh, in the UK, and that was an adder, and it was very br a very brief glimpse um, yeah. out near Verwood. There's a country park down there. I've seen loads since I when I moved down to Southampton because I used to live up near Reading. Um, but since being in Southampton, I've seen loads of slow worms, which are just as exciting for me. Yeah. Because they're sneaky like. Um, and we saw one the other day, actually. Well, yeah. actually, Steve, Go on, then. I think you'll find a that a slow worm is a legless yeah. lizard. Yes, yes, yes. But they're snaky. Look, they're snaky yeah, for use. For <laughs> <laughs> Forgotten about snaky voice. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Oh, there you amazing. go. That was awesome, wasn't it? So, Greg Wallace moments then. Um, bu bu okay, bu yeah. bu bu Are you going first or am I going first? What do you want to do? Uh, I'm going to go, go first. Greg. Go on then. Okay, so here we go. <clears throat> Page 181. You don't need to use physical force to impress your dog. If you do, you're sending the message that you have no real power and no alternative but force and intimidation. It's sad that it's taking us so long to drop the threat of physical injury from our training repertoire, no matter what the species. You may get obedience out of a dog by threatening him, but you're most likely going to get a dog who is afraid of you. Far too often, you'll get a dog who learns to defend himself by getting aggressive back. I can't, it's not a very good book to slam. Hang on, I'll try again. Hang on, let me try one. No. Yeah, I got There we one. go, I'll drop it on the table. Drop it on the floor. Yeah. That's my wow. And we could all learn from that. We could. And yeah, some people more than others. <clears throat> so yes, moving on. Uh, yes. Uh, so I've got a very brief one here, but I really liked it. It's just a little snippet that I picked out. And this is again, this was about um, miscommunication. 
I buy this book because j just for the, like the recall stuff in here about how you know how when when we try and call a dog back to us we're giving out all the signals pretty much to stay away or not come yeah. all the way back to us and it's just fascinating yeah. i'm not gonna sometimes i think we give too many spoilers away but you should buy the book and read it but this is brilliant just a quick little snippet there <clears throat> if you look at domestic dogs and wolves there's nothing described in the literature that means come right now <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I really, really like that. Really, really good. And a nice, a nice Greg Wallace moment. I mean, there's that yeah, again. There's you're right, aren't you? It's like, yeah, the body language thing or how many, I mean, being honest, how many times do you think you've had to say to someone, move away yeah, yeah, every yeah. time you're trying to teach them how to teach a recall? Yeah. Because I think, I think it's because once we start calling a name, we just stop because we can't move and talk at the same time. I think in my in my recall classes, actually, that I mean, we design it all mostly around games and things like that, and all the games that we do, like the Find It games and the Running Wild. Well, you know, you know as well as I do. Um, yeah, we, I've we used to do them together as well, didn't we? Back so, in the day, and you made me you made me run. <laughs> I think the thing that really <laughs> sticks with people there, the thing when you see, like, if you're observing the people, you see that light bulb moment. Is when you tell people to turn away from their dogs. Yeah. So rather than stand there with their arms out, and again, they go into this in the book as well, but rather than mm. stand with your arms out, like come or walk towards them, turn away, you know, turn away, look over your shoulder. Like I call it the old drop in the shoulder, like mm -hmm. you're, um, you know, trying to get away from a defender in football, which makes me sound like I like football, which I absolutely <laughs> don't. I've got no business making a football analogy whatsoever. I, I've never heard you talk about football. But people seem to understand it, so I stick with it. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it is that that seems to be the biggest thing that has the single biggest effect in class one of my recall classes for everyone. And nearly yeah. every dog, depending on distraction level, it's an outside environment, but nearly every dog reacts so perfectly to that that people tend to go, aha, okay, right, yeah. I get this now. And then you see them, just that one magic moment, you see next week, everyone does it, like for every yeah, yeah. little exercise that you do. And I love that. That's it's yeah. very rewarding for me to see that. Um, it's, that's positive reinforcement all round for everybody, isn't it? Boom. There you go. Mm -hmm. In action. So there we go then. Hey, hey, the end of another. How That's long good, do you think? It? How long do you think it'll be before we're in the same room together? Oh God, I don't know. Like, aren't they saying like end of May? Oh, do you know? Just quickly, he said something in the um, in the interview that made me laugh. Is that um, Patricia said that we all need a village, and I was just thinking, just made me think of the pub. <laughs> Oh yeah, because you go drinking <laughs> in the village. Because our, our local uh, pub's called the Village, and that's where we go in it. And I was like, yeah, everyone does need a village, Patricia. You're I absolutely miss, right. I miss the pub, man. No one's missing it as much as Corin. Bless mm. her. She'd like to go to the to the village. I think just yeah. for the socialising. It's the it's the socialising that we we're doing a weekly quiz, aren't we? Which is quite fun. Yeah. I think everyone's doing quizzes of some description. I got, yeah. I got another one good, with the family. It's, it's good fun. It is good fun, and it's nice to. It's nice to see everyone and talk. It gives you it gives you something, doesn't it? It's not the same, yeah. but it gives you something. Um, but that actual sort of like being social, also people watching, not necessarily your friends, but the people that are like I love listening to people behind me talking and watching I, what they're I doing. At the, you know, love people watching. Yeah. Like, and it's going to make me sound like an alcoholic now, but <laughs> so Jay Jay will often get off the train from work. And so I'll I'll walk one of the dogs up to the pub because the pub's opposite the, the station mm -hmm. in the false pretense that I'm meeting Jay from the train to walk home with him. 
actually what I want to do is get there, you know, an hour early so I can have a pint with my dog and sit there and just watch people. There you go. That's Love your, it. That's the ethologist in you. It really is, actually, because I make up little, little stories. And that, see, this is what people are missing when they're staring at their phone. There's a whole world of, of stuff to stare at and watch at. I've been watching what this sounds really creepy. I've just realized how creepy this sounds, but I've been watching one of my neighbors. Because <laughs> 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 he's hired a digger. He's digging something. I don't know what it is. I want to know what he's digging because I can't quite see. All I can see is the digger coming up and down. And, and, and he's butt naked. Stops. <laughs> 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 I told you that stepladder I got you for Christmas would come in handy, didn't I? <laughs> Butt naked digger man. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't carry on with that story. But anyway, uh, t- tune in next time and I'll find out what he's digging. If you want to see a picture, come to www. All right. Well, um, let's. Uh, on that note. On, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> shall we go home? Well, I am home. Yeah, you can't go home. Yeah. I'm already here. Hooray. I got to go. I've got to start dinner, I suppose. It's 10 past seven. Oh, it's for heat night tonight. Hello. Oh, is it? Yeah. I How are you doing? I think we might have curry. Oh. I might make a. Oh. You can no, go I'll wrong. Make a dog. I, I can't. I don't know. I'll have a look, see what I've got. Sure, it'll be yummy, whatever it is now. Yeah. Right, so um, thanks very much for everyone listening. Please, um, if you are enjoying these little ditties, then um, if you can review, write, uh, gush, I don't know, anywhere that you want to on um, on either Apple Music, Spotify, or any of your podcast uh, providers, if you give us a review and a little uh, write-up, it goes a long way to helping us uh, climb the rankings. Climb those rankings. Um, so that yep. would be lovely. Um, we have got some exciting news for you next time. I don't know if we're going to... So we maybe not announce. I don't know if it's been... Um, oh, I did a spoiler on Facebook without asking you. did do you, a bit I? of a spoiler, didn't you? We can announce then, can't we? Can we do that? We I'm can sorry. Announce. Go on then, Nat. Announce now. Uh, we're going to be talking to Ken Ramirez um, about his new book. Oh, I've got it here, actually. Um, called The Eye of the Trainer, Animal Training, Transformation and Trust. Um, and Ken is a Karen Pryor clicker training school faculty member wow that was a really really hard sentence um so uh new book uh he works with all sorts of species i've seen him speak before as well did we go did we see him together at clicker expo were you there that time no corin was there no. i think corin was there at clicker, at clicker expo. Uh, oh no because i went to the, oh anyway but yeah <laughs> we've both we've both seen him so um we're going to get reading on that. We've got him lined up for sometime next week. I think I've got to confirm with him. Another we'll exciting, from there. absolutely exciting and unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a little scoop. Well done. Well done, Nat. Well, well done, Steve. Ten points. <laughs> Give you ten Steve points for that one. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So I will see you next time. I'll ca- well, I'll catch yes. up at the quiz, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So Excellent. you take care. All right, I'll speak to you when I speak to you. So thanks a lot. Okay, bye. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Had songs collide, ourselves divide. Just like they've always done, a spark.
multiply this right has just begun and here at the end of a line that stretches back through all time time guided by a primal to simply survive Survive You can't keep it down You know It grows Genes compete. This war is never won. Numbers increase for reason and peace on mass as one with strong. And where opposition exists it's our duty to persist resist and fight and defend till the end another's right to all this this bliss a a kiss you can't keep me down you know and i can't keep you down i know and it won't be kept down